Welcome to the Zanzizi Podcast. Zanzizi Zambibi. Welcome to the Zanzizi Podcast. I'm Red Dead 2023, gathered in the Mama Casey kitchen studio. It's Mama Casey. Hello. And her offspring son, Simon. Or Simon. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, buddy. <laughs> it's good to have you, man. Yeah, well, thanks for inviting me on. For sure, buddy. It's always a pleasure to have a new guest, but also just to talk about something fun like Dungeons and Dragons. This, yeah, true. Um, we're going to just start off with this. Was this something that you played for a long time as a kid? Was this something that you got into later? You're still kind of a, just a, you're a babby. Well, he in turns our, 21 book. this month. Oh my god! I know. So many tankards of mead. It was about right. a blip in my high school, Dungeons and Dragons was. I only, I think, did like one or two campaigns that was DM'd by uh, one of my friends. Um, otherwise, I just recently DM'd with you That's at true. the cottage. Um, Follow our Instagram, Pod. You'll see a picture of it. Yeah, that was a ton of fun, and uh, I actually learned a lot more about D&D than I even thought was really possible, which learning how to DM teaches you how to like play better as a character as well, just generally. True, true. I've always wanted to DM. I feel like I'm in the closet DM. Like I'm like, I want to come out. I want to do it. I want to tell a tale. Yeah. I want to start a campaign. Well, it's kind of scary, too, because you, you don't scary know if it's going to come get- out. Yeah, I mean, of course. Uh, you don't know if it's just going to get off the rails crazy with True. your characters, and then your story is just like... Sometimes your characters can just like throw your story in the garbage, and you just have to make up a new one. True. And we're going to get into that more. Mama Casey, do you have any... Do you know anything? Well, from what you guys just said, just that piece, going into it knowing not much... It sounds like my favorite books when I was growing up, which is Choose Your Own Adventures. Mm-hmm. So. She brought me to the library once, and that's how I know that those are her favorite books. Is She found one, and she was like, check out this book. Child, you, you, you must you, consume. You turn to page two, and then later, 
you once you get further in the book, you have to go all the way to page 100 and then back to page 50. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you don't exciting. like the outcome of getting eaten by the alligator, <laughs> <laughs> just go just, back a page. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a lot of control over narration. I just think it's cool. I get that. Were you? But did you do that when you did those choose your own adventures? When something bad happened, you're I, like, I'm out. Nope. I would throw I would, it on the ground, stomp on it. Nope. I would be really upset. Like, shoot, my intuition was off. I got in a conundrum, um, and then finish the book, and then I would read one book about four different times just to see what kind of different legacy I could. Would you start from the beginning of the book uh, all over again, or would you like go back a page? Um, yep, I would start from the beginning and then choose a. Com- Usually, in the beginning, I would choose completely different choices just so I could end up in some magical land. Mm-hmm. Mental note, Ryan: Buy Choose Your Own Adventure books. Got it. Okay, Dungeons and Dragons and, and Strawberry Twizzlers. And my Strawberry. life is a Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh my gosh! Sometimes I get into some pickles. As long as you stay away from alligators, you'll be just fine, babe. That's true. All right. Dungeons and Dragons, commonly abbreviated as D&D, is a fantasy tabletop role-playing game originally designed by Gary Gygax and Dave Amerson. Arms Amerson. Gygax. That sounds like a species from Star Trek. Oh, or that. The game was first published in 1974 by Tactical Studies Rules, Inc., or TSR. It has been published by Wizards of the Coast, now a subsidiary of Hasbro, which is why you probably saw, you see it so much, especially in like the last 10 years, popping up in places like Barnes & Noble, things like that. And wasn't there an 80s cartoon that was Dungeons & Dragons? Yeah. I didn't even put that together until we did the 80s episode. And I was like, oh my goodness. I always saw that cartoon, but I never knew that that's what it was. Well, you'd be fascinated to know how much of D&D bleeds into just about everything now. And especially when it comes to anything that has to do with medieval fantasy or dragons and adventures and orcs and bats. What, Um, What company originally was Hasbro? I feel like it's a toy company future episode i don't know all right the game was derived from miniature war games with a variation of the 1971 game Chainmail, serving as the initial rule system which i looked into this and it looks a lot like old grandpas sitting around like i move my f- armies to your left and he's like, no, you've sunk my army or whatever. So like chess. Kind of. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's nerd grandpas who played chess and they're like, I wish my pawn looked more baddies and like wanted it to have muscles or something. Why do they call this a knight? It's obviously a horse. Yeah, exactly. It's obviously a horse and it's got no legs. And I want legs, and I want it to be painted and look majestic. Are we talking about D&D? I'm, trying, I'm tracking with you. Yes, well, the I'm minis. Mm-hmm. The minis. Oh, they yes. make, like, avatars so you feel more immersed in the game. Oh, like Monopoly. I'm so glad you're on, because I do have a special quiz, and you're going to take it at the end. Great, guys. So, D&D's publication is commonly recognized as the beginning of modern role-playing games and the role-playing game industry and also deeply influenced video games, especially the role-playing video game genre. Here, here, I love me some RPGs. d 
D&D departs from traditional wargaming by allowing each player to create their own character to play instead of a military formation. These characters embark upon adventures within a fantasy setting. A DM, Dungeon Master, which Simon alluded to, serves as the game's referee and storyteller while maintaining the setting in which the adventures occur and playing the role of the inhabitants of the game world also referred to as non-playable characters. So not only does he have to tell the story, but he has to actually enact what the NPC's non-playable characters do and say, which can be tricky. Well, isn't that like a teenage slur these days? Like, you're such an NPC. <laughs> I'm no. sure, because, well... I, I've heard my daughter say that. <laughs> That's so funny. I have not heard that before. Really? No. Interesting. Whenever I think of the term NPCs, I think of the characters from, like, uh, Elder Scrolls or, like, Elden Ring that are just stand... Or, what is it, Skyrim? <laughs> just basically vaguely walking into walls and, yeah. like... However, on top yeah. of that, I do know that a lot of people have been making fun of the way that NPCs move within video games. Oh, okay. Um, they generally have, like, yeah. a very static animation, which yeah. is... Yeah, that's Super exactly funny to mimic and make fun of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole YouTube short rabbit hole to fall down there. Oh. So together, the characters form a party and they interact with the settings, inhabitants, and each other. Together, they solve dilemmas, engage in battles, explore, and gather treasure and knowledge. In the process, the characters earn experience points to rise in levels and become increasingly powerful over a series of separate gaming sessions. So, Simon. Can you kind of walk through the process of what it means to be a DM and kind of like what the interactions are like and what a campaign is? I could give you a brief just because. I'll start with the mom perspective. My son was in his room with a journal. Okay, take it away. Not a journal, but a it, it was a pre-made um, campaign, the one that I DM'd at the cottage. So... I would just spend a lot of time just looking over and kind of like memorizing what uh, the characters are uh, that I would be playing with, what they could possibly do. Um, so I would like, I had the first whole like chapter memorized and a little bit of the second, uh, like ready to go, but not fully memorized. Um, and the way the campaign kind of flows is your characters will start the adventure, um, DM will kind of set the setting of like where you are, why you're together, what you're doing, and um, then it's up to the players to decide what they do next. And then once the players have ch uh, choose where they want to do or what they want to interact with, whether it's in the setting or if they just want to straight up leave, then it's the DM's um, responsibility to say, okay, you do this, and then this happens next. What do you want to do now? That's kind of how um, generally like the start of a campaign goes. Obviously, there's like battles and uh, a little bit more like, uh, I guess I would call it like long-term walking down a road or yeah. on horseback. Um but, but you yeah. have to you have to factor in different things as the DM too. Like, if you're sleeping in the woods, you probably have to have people roll for some sort of like. Yeah, you would have them roll for um, 
I guess you could do, I mean, there's a couple different roles that you could do. You could do like perception if everyone's like a little bit hazily asleep to see if um, or they're drunk they were just partying too yeah. hard at the local <laughs> tavern to see if they notice like goblins sneaking up behind them mm-hmm. uh, that they're like fire because most of the time you have a fire going and that will sometimes draw on enemies or just reveal your location to people um, you can obviously have like effects like a mage hide the fire or hide your visibility so that it's a little bit less likely that you'll be spotted Mm-hmm. Or snuck up on. Um, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of different possibilities that go into that, though. Now, from that um, perspective, switching over to someone who plays as one of the many characters in a party, you just created a character recently through the D and D Beyond app, which I also use as well. I love. Uh, is it a little spotty? Yeah, I, I can't hear out of this side I'll, of the. I'll check it for you. Sorry, guys. There we go. It's back. It's good? Yep. Okay. So basically, um, when you're starting with a new character, what what kinds of things do you go through if you're doing it manually? Uh, if I'm setting up a character like all on my own, I want to be as cool and as strong as possible. Your new character looks a lot like a BA Ninja Turtle from like a medieval Japan. Yeah. I recently downloaded a... Uh, the like races so you have like a bunch of different races that you can choose from for your character and i saw the turtle one and i was like okay i wonder what abilities this race has because humans are very boring and i would like to what be do you mean? way cooler and way stronger when i was looking at the turtle's uh defense and noticed that it could get like up to 17 just base ac i was like okay that is very strong, and if you attach a shield to that, that's 19. They, the DM literally has to roll a 20 to even get a hit on you. And then that's not even including the fact that you can like retract into your shell and then just be invincible, basically. <laughs> Didn't you have some kind of username that was about a turtle or something? Yeah, well, the name of this character that I created is a reference to that. The name is Spectral, and Spectral. originally... Um, back in like high school, I came up with a name, and I think it was based on a D&D character, um, Spectral Turtle, and then that just stuck to be my gamer tag and whatever I played on. And It's a cool name. Recently, I switched back to just Spectral. Spectral originally came from just a video game that I played. It was like a super cool armor set that I liked, so I was like, oh, that's... What was the video game? It was uh, Terraria. They originally oh. had the Spectre armor, and I was like, okay, Spectre's kind of cool, but I like Spectral a little bit more. Hey. It's the full spectrum. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so when you set up your new character through the D&D Beyond app, or if you, whether you do that on paper or with a pencil, it is actually pretty detailed. In fact, before... RPGs really expanded in things like, I don't know, Skyrim, uh, nowadays with, uh, what, what would be the most current, I mean, other than, I guess you could say Elden Ring, or even something like uh, Diablo has a lot of characterization stuff that you can do, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. But most characters start pretty low, especially during a uh, early game. But you do progress as a campaign goes. You experience, you level up, per se. 
And it's fun to get to move attributes around, different things go up, different things in your pack, different different situations arise. I haven't gotten super far into a campaign yet, but I know that you can like mix some uh, classes together. Mm-hmm. From what I know, like you could have a fighter barbarian as right. well. And I'm- that's like two separate classes. Generally, you only start off with one, but as you level up, you can kind of add more to your character to make it more like I major in this class but well my guy I do play a campaign with brother bear slash uncle Nick and the two of us he's a cat person and I am a hunter or I'm sorry I am a ranger wizard so I I'm I'm I get to a lot my level up when I level up I get to a lot those points based on which side I want to take Mm-hmm. more of, of a focus on which is a lot of fun and actually makes it much more of an in-depth experience when creating a character so i was gonna say the character creation is almost like an entire game or section of D on its own you see so many people who just like only play D for the character creation so they they can draw art of it just and- like the sims man like just that that opening screen just creating characters mm-hmm. i'm telling you nintendo Zanzizipodcast at gmail.com. Simon and I, we got a little idea going here. Character creation, make it a game. Let's do this. Send us the money. Tell me, tell me more about this uh, 22-sided dice. Well, there's many different dice. Okay. Do you know why there's dice in it? Well, I heard you guys talking about rolling for... Adventures or attributes or whatever or is going can, on. So, okay. Let me let me fast forward a little bit to get to. So a typical Dungeons and da- D- Dragons game consists of an adventure, which is roughly equivalent to a single story. The DM can either design an original adventure or follow one of the many pre-made adventures, which is what he was doing. He was reading from a pre-made adventure, which is totally cool. Also known as modules that have been published throughout the history of Dungeons and Dragons. Published adventures typically include a background story, illustrations, maps, and goals for player characters to achieve. Excuse me. I love that the original creator gets that satisfaction of people are using my story. Yeah, like, and it's it's not dead after one game; like it's out there. Here's what's even and they can crazier, it. and has multiple levels to it. There are people that have created campaigns so popular that it spawned book series. Oh, I bet. Oh, or that's beautiful. There's people that literally do podcasts that are New York Times bestseller comic series based on the podcast about their campaign. Nice. Because it's A, it's a group of really funny people doing their interactions. Like one of the most popular, I think, is Adventure Zone or something like that. And it's two brothers and the dad. Okay. doing a campaign and it's just fart jokes and funniness the whole time but it's a campaign like yeah. it's a legitimate campaign they're playing wow. it's kind of crazy going back to the character segment of D is the same thing can be said about the character uh creation processes it has spawned so many it, it like literally spawned a genre of like so much stuff on youtube like you'll see a bunch of animation channels use like their custom characters from D as their like avatar mm-hmm. um or even like vtubing i don't know if you know what that is mm-hmm. but 
It's basically where somebody makes a 3D avatar and they put on a, a suit that tracks their movement and then they literally get to play and stream in front of a bunch of people playing this avatar. Oh, how cool. And wow, technology. Without, show, without showing their face, but still it can pick up like on expressions on their face. So like you'll see this character that they've created like smile or like talk and just move and stuff and so you it can makes be it... famous and anonymous in this exactly age. it's uh you can still go to target right nice and they get pretty popular through that they do get p- pretty popular although a lot of the time they do get pretty uh like uh explicit i guess ah uh, i understand yeah yep 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 we we just fell down that hole a little bit when we were doing the Pokemon episode. But let's continue to discuss the what a game consists of. Because like you said, she brought up the dice. And the dice are key. The dice adds the element of gameness to it, really. Because if not, I mean, you just be using your imagination, which is totally fine. But the dice is really what gives it the foundation foundation basically to when an interaction or a fight or an outcome needs to be determined and it puts that element of chaos right Mm -hmm. into it because you don't know what you're going to roll indeed so the module begins with a prologue explaining that oh oh, this is um some so i'm Published adventures typically include a background story, illustrations, maps, goals for them to achieve. Some include location descriptions and handouts. Although, like the one campaign that I'm playing, he had pictures of all the different people who were hiring for people to go out and adventure that we were meeting at a tavern so we could pick which one of the people we wanted to work for based on like a picture he did. Okay. And then he would do different voices for either character. Wow. So DMs can be really into it. Like it, it's all about like. I'm sure writers or any creatives would love to be a DM. Yeah. Oh yeah. Love doing it. Some of the most interesting people that I've met have played Dungeons and Dragons for sure. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up like writers getting into D and D. I watched this uh, YouTube video the other day where it was like kind of making a. Uh, a joke about that like where the person the dm goes through and is like explaining everything in way too much detail and then like a character will try to like do something and the dm will like just almost sort of like veto it so that they can continue telling their story and it's almost like oh you should have just written a book because now you're just like taking everybody out out of the experience Interesting. so it's not good for a dm to try to really stick to his storyline right i mean he's got to be flexible I mean, there's a way that you can kind of get around it where you can give players the illusion of choice. Right. Where they pick something and then you're like, okay, you go to this place, but really in the back of your mind, it. Okay, so give, was yeah, this give, place. give me a concrete example of something of how you would push me. Like, give me some options and then. So, an example would be like if you're, let's say you're on a wagon going down a road and you can turn left or right. Mm-hmm. And. Let's say um, I only have one city ready for you right now. And I'm like, okay, you can either go to the city on the left or the city on the right. And um, you you choose one of the options. What does the city on the right look like? Yeah, yeah. Bright, shining pillows of hope. 
Right. And then no matter what side you pick, yes. you end up going to the city that has like all of the story that I have ready for you. Right. Rather than So even if it looked like a, a billow of hope and it was like this terrorist town, right. you're like, oh, that was illusion. It was a terrorist town that was actually the mafia city that I have ready. And <laughs> here comes the mafia. Gotcha. So I have a list here of celebrities who play D&D. All right. Number one, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, that makes sense. The E.T. director himself. Number two, Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello. I'm surprised you can't pronounce Michelangelo after playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You recognize him? Uh, No, he looks like every white dude in Hollywood. I don't know. Joe Mango. Yeah, I've seen him pop up as... So, before... Mike Myers. Okay. I always picture... Mike Myers definitely would blend into this, like, perception that I have of, oh, you know, everybody... If you don't know what D&D is about, you just think of boys eating Cheetos in a basement, and they've got their computer, and they're playing D&D. And I actually work in... um, At the city with an older woman who... um, Sorry about that. No, My daughter just walked in. What was I saying? I was really in the middle of something, wasn't I? I yeah, I'd have to play it back. It was Michael Myers, like that one. Okay, character. okay. The, the my vision of like, oh yeah, it's just boys who play with Legos in their basement, and and it's kind of true. Um, I guess we really knew about D and D when Jason came into our life. Yeah, he got me a bunch of books for it that really got me into it. Yeah. And tried getting me into Magic the Gathering, although I tried getting into that game. That game is a lot to learn, and it was just, like, too much at the time for me. I might get back into it. So, you know, I feel like people have to have, like, that streak of nerdism, but um, now, you know, I've learned... Oh, that's what I was saying. I work with a lady who... Oh, yeah, she plays D&D, and um, a lot of times they're quiet. Um, Sorry, if anybody heard that slamming of a door in the background, it's just my 16-year-old teenage daughter. Hormonal. But anyways. No, I get it. So there's there's a preconceived idea, and it's generally not what people assume. But it also includes what people assume. True. I mean, Anderson Cooper of CNN, the host... The news host. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh, he's a nerdy. Mm-hmm. Ooh. We've also got Will Wheaton. That doesn't surprise me at no. all. The guy from Star Trek. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <gasps> That's my actual crush. My Hollywood crush. See, I always crush on the nerd- nerdies. I do. I do. Stephen Colbert. Wow, that surprising me. Judy Dench. Man, get sign me up for that. Campaign. Oh, I bet she's got good stories. Yeah, she was in... Wow. So these are all, like, DMs or just people who play? People who play. Okay. Or who who had Ben Affleck, hmm. which is interesting. Vin Diesel, I knew that, because he's just like that... Matt Damon. Matt Damon? Mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson. a bad name. Marilyn Manson. Yeah, I could see that. And Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk. Guys, I don't know. 
It's totally okay. It's, you don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I, I just feel like some of those people would further give D&D a bad name. And I'm, I'm here to say it's you're, all different types of people, isn't it? You're not here for the Mars campaign? No. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, there, there is kind of a stereotype to it, which is part and parcel. With anything, there's a stereotype to a sports fan. There's a stereotype to, oh, you watch a bunch of horror movies, you must be a creep. No, they're fun. Yeah. Pick the good ones. Have fun with it. Yeah. That's why Halloween is like my favorite month, because I get to be all nerded out about Jason. I do love a good dress-up party. Or you could go to Comic-Con and dress up whenever you want. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, what's that called? Isn't there a term of like, oh, they're... Cosplayer. Cosplay. Mm -hmm. Costume. Cosplay. Costume. Uh, So, yeah, no, there's there's a lot of different different avenues to take when it comes to D&D and there's also very many different variations of that style of game like you when I first initially started playing uh, this this style of like a Dungeons and Dragons game the game that I played was called Shadowrun and Shadowrun is like a futuristic thing and I was like put me in the future I want a hover car ooh what is that about that sounds cool it's just It's very similar to, like, if anybody out there who's listening has ever read any books by William Gibson, those are, like, the Johnny Mnemonic futuristic, like, upload your brain into a hard drive. Yes, yes. And, like, all that sort of stuff. So it was super futuristic, and my guy basically looked like a a grunt version of Wolverine. So I had, like, claws, and I could, like, hack my brain into, like, people's computers and be like... How cool. Suck on this, bub. That'll be that'll be soon, huh? When you say grunt, can you describe that a little more cuz I am only thinking of the grunts from Halo right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was like a shorter version, like a I'm I'm picturing like a short like a I said grunt, but I meant more like a runt version of Wolverine where Wolverine's oh, yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bit maybe bigger, but yeah, I like, like a dwarf. Yes, <laughs> maybe maybe something more like a dwarf. I, that's a good reference, by the way. Um, so anyway, there are different variations of that, and uh, like I said, I mentioned that location descriptions and handouts are usually given. Although a small adventure entitled Temple of the Frog was included in the Blackmore Rules supplemented in 1975, the first standalone D&D module published by TSR was 1978's Steading of the Hill Giant Chief, written by the creator Gygax. The module begins with a prologue explaining that giants of different types have been raiding lands occupied by humans. Somebody do something about these big old gargamels. Kill them! <laughs> these townspeople have bloodlust. Angered by this, the human rulers hire a group of adventurers, the player characters, or PCs, to punish these miscreant giants. The player's party is informed that they must defeat the giants or have their heads placed on the chopping block. It's so biblical. Davy and Goliath. Very. What came out first, Attack on Titan or this? uh, Attack on Titan, I think, was the 80s. That that one is, like, exactly, like, giant monsters terrorizing. Isn't, um, I don't know if you even watched this, but, uh, I've been told I have to watch it. There's this incredible anime series 
there's like people and they have they pilot mechs. Oh, that's every anime series. No, um, <laughs> I'll think of it later. But is the, it it's like w- Neon Genesis. Yes, that was exactly that. Neon Genesis Evangelion. My friend Louis Netflix. Is, yeah, is like obsessed with it, and he's like, "You have to watch it." And I'm like, "Man, I watched Akira once. I felt like I was done ne- needing to ever watch any other anime because it was so amazing." But then I hear like every other day there's something new that's amazing. So, and you also introduced me to JoJo, which is great. JoJo's good. It doesn't have that well written of women, but uh, if you want like well written characters all around, uh, The Promised Neverland is really good. That's like another D and D. Look at look at look at my younger friend, adolescent <laughs> here discussing. It's not fair to women. This charming man over here, I appreciate his candor. It's all Brooke. Brooke is the one who, like... Hold on, the girlfriend the... gets all the cred, all the street cred, and I was changing your diapers. Okay, I was... I was I started she changes watching... his diapers, too. It's just a weird thing <laughs> Mentally. we don't discuss. I started you know watching JoJo you. with Brooke, and uh, she was like, the women, it like... These people don't know how like what women are really like because well, women do not do these things. If you've played RPGs in the last couple decades, you'll notice right away that generally women are the ones that are slightly clueless and overtly generated to look insanely endowed. Mm-hmm. As I'm trying to be as PC as possible, right. but it can be kind of like. Like, that doesn't add anything to the story. Like, really great animation or stories. Isn't it visually appealing? Yeah, to one half of your audience yep. or whatever. Like, it, it is appealing, maybe, but it's also kind of like... Explain. We know what top-tier animation storytelling is. We have already watched enough Miyazaki to know what the difference is. Oh, my so goodness. True. Studio so, Ghibli does such a good job at writing their characters because they care right about... In. I, I, the the problem with it is the soft the, details are just incredible. There's a lot of like 2D characters, as a lot of people um, call them, versus like 3D characters in Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. And but a good 2D character has its place too. But the even. dimensions come from all of of the storyline and the depth of just like really focusing on all the small things they do within life. It's beautiful. And these are all factors. When yeah. being a dungeon master yeah. mm-hmm. and explaining a module, you want to have a deep idea of the world Layers. place that you're setting. Never been a DM, just a closet DM over here. Right. <laughs> Maybe you'll spread you're just your wings soon. Yeah. I will. I'll do it one day because it's my dream to be the DM for some of my kids. So we'll see. Get me in there so I can break it with my turtle. Okay. Oh, yeah. You I would to love to have that. You. I would love to have you, and I think your mom would appreciate it. So, as I mentioned, this giant adventure was uh, actually a big hit. The players' party is informed that they must defeat the giants or have their heads on the block. The human nobles equip the party with weapons and horses, along with a guide and a map that shows the location of the hill giants. The players are informed that the hill giants are led by... Nasnura, a sly hill giant chieftain who loves to set up ambushes. There's an unknown force binding together different giant groups. The player characters are informed that they must that they may keep any spoils they find, but must return at once if they determine what sinister hand is behind the alliance. 
and that's generally a nice way to reward the players is to give them some sort of like little accoutrement that they Mm -hmm. get along the way in one of the campaigns I played we got all these emeralds and like the whole game so far in our campaign we're just like what do we do with these emeralds well paper the castle darling well we also have so many of them that like half the time like people are like we're like when we took them to trade a them shop to trade them in, yeah. they were just like, "We already got all your emeralds yeah. from last. <laughs> we're emerald stocked." And yeah. We're just like, "My wife has a bath, an emerald bathtub. <laughs> Go away! Enough." But the bulk of the adventure, as I said, uh, takes place in two locations: the upper level fortress of the Hill Giant Slayer and the dungeon level beneath it. The upper level, there are halls, barracks, and common rooms. These rooms house Chief Nasnara and other hill giants, ogres, and servants. The dungeon level consists of slave quarters, torture chambers, and caverns. These house troglodytes, bugbears, and carrion crawlers. The majority of the treasure can be found by searching the dungeons. The chief's treasure room contains a map. So it all adds to just this really fun kind of world you know it, it immediately makes me want to go play Diablo right now or Zelda which had <laughs> quite a few dungeons in it um, but yeah it, it's 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 an un- unbelievably dense thick world to play in and the war games that it was evolved from Dungeons and Dragons used miniature figures to represent combatants and I haven't really talked too in-depthly about the uh, minis I actually I think you saw mine I have my little ranger with his bow and arrow oh yeah I got those from the store just literally kitty well not kitty court but like just off of 28th street near us Uh, well not near us but whatever nobody cares (laughs) but I got it from a uh, one of those stores that specifically sells paint supplies too so you can you can actually you could make a whole day of just painting miniatures which I think would be like so much fun to do with the girls, mm-hmm. like just to be like, "Here's your character. What are you gonna what? What colors are dress or his? You know, cape or you know, like what are the? You can have a little trickle of blood on the sword from all your battles. I actually knew someone who like custom made um, figures. Like uh, he had he has like a huge collection of them, and he made them. Uh, he made it into like a career where he can like uh, take uh, commission from people and That's he awesome. builds their characters from the grounds up and then paints them and then just sells does he them sell to them on Etsy? Where where can we find him? I uh, I don't know exactly what he sells on, but I just remembered like hanging out in his house and he's just how cool. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, and if if you do remember that, just text it to me, and I'll add it to the description in the episode. You can help a friend out. All right. Um. So the original D and D set of 1974 required the use of the chainmail miniatures game for combat resolution. By by the publication of the 1977 game editions, combat was mostly resolved verbally. Thus, miniatures were no longer required for gameplay, although some players continued to use them as a visual reference, which actually I think it helps, especially when you're setting up like a battle grid or you're just trying to because they do actually use feet and some of the mats that you can get have squares that each square represent like say five feet or whatever distance and it does kind of help because 
we don't want it to just be like, well, I'm just right here. You know, you want to have some visual. Yeah, otherwise it's all in your mind and on top of the math that you're already doing with rolling for attacks and rolling for to see if that attack even hits. Mm-hmm. Um, rolling for any literally anything else and then on top of that having to keep track of where every tiny little thing, like where that rock is, where the enemies are, where you are, it all gets like very overwhelming very quickly if you don't have a quick reference to like, okay... Uh, this is where everything is, and especially for people who, ha- who have a hard time, like internally, like imagining where everything is. It really helps to have that reference. So true. Periodically, Dungeons and Dragons has returned to its wargaming roots with supplementary rule systems for miniature-based wargaming. Supplements such as Battle System from 1985 and 1989 and a new edition of Chainmail from 2001 provided rule systems to handle battles between armies by using miniatures. Another very popular miniature game that I've seen quite a bit, especially when I go to those type of hobby gaming shops, is Warhammer. An immediate predecessor of Dungeons and Dragons was a set of medieval miniatures rules written by Jeff Perrin. They were expanded by Gary Gygax, Gygax, whose additions included a fantasy supplement before the game was published as Chainmail. When David Wesley entered the army in 1970, his friend and fellow Napoleonics wargamer Dave Arner- Amerson began a medieval variation of Wesley's Bronstein games where players control individuals instead of armies. Amerson used chainmail to resolve combat. As play progressed, Amerson added such innovation as character classes, experience points, level advancement, armor class, and others. Having partnered previously with Gygax on Don't Give Up on the Ship, Amerson introduced Gygax to his Blackmore game, and then the two collaborated on developing the fantasy game, the game that became Dungeons and Dragons. With the final writing and preparation of the text being done by Gygax. The name was chosen by Gygax's two-year-old daughter, Cindy, upon being presented with a number of choices of possible names. She exclaimed, Oh, Daddy, I like Dungeons and Dragons best. Although less prevalent versions of the story gave credit to his then-wife, Mary Jo. Many Dungeons & Dragons elements appear in hobbies of the mid to late 20th century. For example, character-based role-playing can be seen in improvisational theater. Very true. Game world simulations were well-developed in wargaming. Fantasy milieu, specifically designed for gaming, could be seen in Glorant's board games, among others. Ultimately, however, Dungeons & Dragons represents a unique blending of these elements. The world of D&D was influenced by world mythology, history, pulp fiction, and contemporary fantasy novels. The importance of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit as an influence on D&D is controversial. The presence in the game of halflings, elves, half-elves, dwarves, orcs, rangers, and the like, as well as the convention of diverse adventurers forming a group draw comparison to these works. The resemblance was even closer before the threat of copyright action from Tolkien Enterprises prompted the name changes of Hobbit to Halfling or Trant and Barlog to Baylor. For many years, Gygax played down the influence of Tolkien on the development of the game. However, in an interview in 2000, he acknowledged that Tolkien's work had a strong impact, though he also said that the list of other influential authors was long. 
The D&D magic system in which wizards memorize spells that are used by up once cast and must be rememorized the next day was heavily influenced by the Dying Earth stories and novels of Jack Vance. The original alignment system, which grouped all characters and creatures into law, neutrality, and chaos, was derived from the novel Three Hearts and Three Lions by Paul Anderson. A troll described in this work influenced the D&D definition of that monster. Other influences include the work of Robert E. Howard, Edgar Rice Burroughs, A. Merritt, H.P. Lovecraft, Fritz Lieber, L. Sprague de Camp, Fletcher Pratt, Roger Zelanzi, and Michael Moorcock. Monsters, spells, and magic items used in the game have been inspired by hundreds of individuals' works such as A.E. Van Vogt's Black Destroyer, Coral the Displacer Beast, Lewis Carroll's Jabberwocky, which was for the Vorpole Sword, and the Book of Genesis, the clerical spell Blade Barrier, was inspired by the Flaming Sword, which turned every way at the gates of Eden. And that has been your episode thus far. I have one last thing to do with Mama Casey, because I feel like, I, I, I feel like, you know, if, if, if we were going to ever get your mom into D&D, she'd want to know what kind of character she would be. It has to be through the character creation. I feel like uh, I feel like that's the best way to get people into the game, is to have them explore with characters. And okay, but if you if you were to build my character, spill it. You would be like a halfling, tiny little person. <laughs> with big feet. Of course. <laughs> What, but why do you say that? Just to just to poke fun. Oh, I don't know what any of that means. I'm like, sure, I'll be. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds fine. What? What? Uh, class probably. As your mother, you're cleric. gonna make a version of me. Cleric, of course, because you want to take care of everybody and you want to make sure that everyone's healed up after battle. Yeah. With tacos. With ta- yeah, with food. <laughs> You'll cast your spell and you'll be like, just imagine that it's tacos making all of your wounds heal, but it's actually just a spell. All right. We're going to do this quick quiz. All right. You're out with your friends and the dreaded subject of where to eat comes up. What do you do? Take charge, basing decision on everyone's diet and budget. Slip off to get my own food and eat it while they're deciding. Hungry, gotta eat. No time for talking. I suggest a healthy, eco-friendly place that everyone can enjoy. Where we eat doesn't matter to me. I'll find something I like anywhere. Eating should be complete sensory experience. I suggest a place that's known for their food and music. Okay, so obviously the answer is, I'm starving. Let's fill the trap. Food is fuel. Where are we going? Um, I'm not going to pick because I'm not like a foodie, really. And everybody is so picky about, oh, I have to only have this or that. And I'm like, I don't I'll find fries anywhere. Let's go. Um, and I've also been... So I guess pick that one. That's okay, good. I got you. Okay. Next question. Your friend wants to go shopping and they give you a list of places they plan on going to. Which are you most excited about? The small local local bookstore? The old record shop, the huge outdoor sports store, the new electronics retailer, a metaphysical store, the alternative apparel place in an old factory. I'm excited for them all. I always find what I want and magically get the best deal while I'm at it. Sounds like a Pisces. 
Uh, what's in the metaphysical store? I would assume a metaphysical store would have been like one of those stone stores that we. Yeah, would let's go- do it. <laughs> That's where I want to be. Let me go to the magic store. <laughs> All right. When you're walking with your friends, which do you tend to do? I'm in the front, so I can't keep anyone from getting in our way. I walk in the front, making sure we're going the right way while watching for traffic and other hazards. Ma- that's mama case or mama mode. Uh, I walk in the middle so I can enjoy the company of all my friends. I walk in the back, usually deep in my own thoughts. I'm usually in the front, whenever I need to be, wherever I need to be, to keep everyone together. I loosely follow the group. I do my own thing, but also pop in and out of the conversation so they don't know. I'm in the middle. You're in the middle. Yeah. That's sweet. All right. Hoping somebody else will take charge, but inevitably, I'll have to take charge. But also, I'm You're directionally the reluctant ch- hero. Here's the thing: I have handicaps. I'm very directionally challenged. So I Why just is that lady walking into a wall. I have walked in a completely different direction from my car before, and just thought, I guess I'm lost. You needed your strings to carry you to it. Yep. So you're going to get some new footwear. Which are you getting? Sandals, trail shoes, boots, skate shoes, tennis shoes. I don't know, but whatever I will get will be perfect. Hold on, let's back up, back up. Uh, shoes. Sandals. Just any shoes. I'm going to go out and buy new shoes. Okay. N- it's not It's not a huge buildup. Like, am I going camping? Right. Or am I going no. to a wedding? But it says something about what kind of a character you would be. So sandals, trail shoes, boots, skate shoes, tennis shoes. I don't know, but whatever I will get will be perfect. I'll research the best possible option for my specific needs. Light up sneakers or maybe Heelys. Oh, I did have light up sneakers when I was I'm way sure. too old, baby. I was in the seventh grade and I was like, you know what? You know, My childhood was stripped and in third grade, everybody had them and I didn't. And now I'm getting, and I did in seventh grade. Can you believe it? I used to think about the Reebok pumps all the time as to like what kind of benefit it was to have extra air pumped oh, into honey, under your Oh, honey, it's in your, your mind, baby. Right. It was a mental game. Just like, hey, look, guys, I got a zipper pocket on yeah. the side of my suit. I could put a quarter in here. Yeah. Like, what was that about? Uh, it was probably for a condom, but it's if it's for a quarter, then fine. Get something at, at your school Excuse vending me. machine. <laughs> Emotionally mature high school student with okay. a condom in his so, shoe. So the answer straight away was sandals because that's all I wear. All right. Yeah. Sorry for the tangent, folks. All right. What's your preferred method of transportation? An electric car, my feet are a good bike, whatever the public transportation system is, a pickup truck, a motorcycle, teleportation. The question didn't say it had to be real. Immediately teleportation. I knew you were going to do that. I just went, after watching the bear at night, I can't move from the couch. I just want to teleport to the bed. Two episodes of the second season. The strings. Yes. That's what I say. I'm like, why hasn't anybody invented strings that can just lift me to my bed? I feel like those old inventor movies always had stuff like that. And here we are. 2023. Nothing. You're going to the zoo with your friends. Which animals are you most looking forward to seeing? The burly grizzly bears? The lovable panda bears? The red panda. Only the red panda. 
that's, that's the picture that's on here. That's the only thing I want to see at the zoo. Nothing else is worth it. Everything well, else, I'm like, be free. And the red panda, I'm like, you belong in I, my bed. I'm saying this because I see her right now, but Brooke, you should look up red pandas eating grapes on video. It's literally the most adorable thing on the planet. Brooke is Simon's girlfriend. She's laying on the couch watching us. She's our, she's our like, literally our support. Port yeah, she's our hype girl. Hype, 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 hype. All right, it's raining outside. What's your choice to keep the rain off you? The classic oversized yellow raincoat? A waterproof, full-length hooded trench coat? A sporty hiking jacket? I don't need protection from the rain. Rain is a good reason not to go. An umbrella works best for me. Rainforest print overalls with a matching jacket. This is just, sorry to butt in, but this is just reminding me of, there, there's a meme uh, of a video game called Tohu, where you have to like, you're this tiny little character on the screen that you move around and there's a bunch of bullets coming at you. I saw this really funny video where mm-hmm. it was like an animation of, it was like raining and this guy was waiting under a bus stop and a girl like tries to hand her umbrella to him, like he denies it and he like basically sees the rain's attack pattern <laughs> and just like yeah dodges all of the rain it's super funny um baby i'm vanilla so it would be an umbrella but i did find like a really cool kind of slicker um trench coat that looks awesome on me so you could be like a detective from like the movie seven it does not look like i just wrote a manifesto that's manifesto (laughs) i'm working on my manifesto all right so next question when you're doing a group project what role do you typically fill i'm usually the project manager i make sure everyone is doing what they should and everyone everything gets done yeah i'll fill whatever role is needed group i don't need a group I take the critical high-pressure role that only I can do right. I'm the presenter. It's the obvious choice for me. I'm the best at the technical part. Seems like no one else knows how it works. Project manager, and I have an electronic boyfriend because I don't even know how to turn on the TV. That's true. While at park with friends, a lost child comes up to you crying. How do you handle them? It's my new kid. (laughs) Adoption immediately. Come to my table. I'm going to feed you a taco. Maybe some spaghetti. This might make a clip for the best of That's hilarious. You're my new kid. That is so you. It's not even... All right, so the options are I pretend I don't see them and quickly move away. There are plenty of people around. Someone else will deal with it. I take charge and rally the group to help find the parents. I'm not sure what to do, but someone should make a device to keep this from happening. One, I make sure the child isn't hurt, and I do what I can to calm them down. Next, I head off to find the parents. And then last, I'll keep watching and assist my friends while they help the child. So, okay, there was... I make sure the child isn't hurt and I do what I can to calm them down. That sounds like you. That's the most parenty one. Everything, everything else is like... Yeah, and then I would find the parents, though. All right, afterwards. I take charge and... And rally the group like, oh, well, I think my nurturing would probably be all of, like, 20 seconds. Oh, are you okay? You're crying. What's your name? And then I'd be and like... And then what if her head falls off? Immediately... Pick it up. <laughs> no, immediately try to find the parents. Dark. If the head fell off, I would call 911, baby. That's a different question. Now we have to find the maid. I'm not a medic. I have band aids and that's it. Rub some dirt on it. We're halfway through. You get a you get a flat a flat tire. Don't talk about car problems around this lady. Yeah, no, no. 
Who needs a stupid car? I'm done with it. Next, I pull out the owner's manual and follow the instructions for changing the tire. Three, I'll use my service plan. They'll find someone to change it. Four, I think someone will stop to give me a hand. Five, no problem. I can change a tire with my eyes closed. Or last, this isn't actually my car. I'll get another one the same way I got this one. Um, I everything's a YouTube away. Mm-hmm. So probably, what was that one where it's like you? I'll just pull out the owner's manual and follow the instructions for changing the tire. Yeah, let's do that. While you're out with friends, a stranger stops to ask for directions. What do you tell them? I'll consult my friends, making sure I get the best information so I can give them the best directions. Bless you. I don't know where they want to go. I do know an awesome pizza place they need to try, though. That's the one I would say because I'm like, I don't know where left or right or north or south is, but there's some good pizza up there. You won't go hungry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's some good pizza up there. Makes a kid's head fall okay, off. Okay, well, hold on. Let me list all the options, though. Nope, I already skipped it. Oh, God. All right, which of these describes your ideal bedroom? A serene setup is to help me achieve the center and state of restful peace. I like it dark with blackout curtains and macabre curios. Or a roof, a door, a bed, and a place to store my gear. That's it. Books and book accessories, a magical feel. I need it to be a creative space with inspiration and ways for me to create. Or lastly, I don't want a roof over my head. I prefer the night sky. Uh, what was that first one? Something about peace? Peaceful? A serene setup to help me achieve my center in a state of restful peace. Yeah, that's the one I want if it's, in, if it's a bedroom because I want to be able to sleep. It's a cold winter day. What do you suggest for you and your friends? Let's sledding. Take- Straight away. Let's on. take advantage of the weather and do something fun outside. What are your friends most likely to call you about? Your friend is feeling off. They need someone to help them center themselves and regain their focus. Next, your friend just needs a laugh to take their mind off things. Next, your friend needs advice on how to fix something. Next, your friend needs help moving something big and you're the most reliable. Your friend wants help getting revenge on someone. Uh Uh-uh, I would hang up the phone. Your friend needs advice and your advice always seems to be right. Well, and what was A? There's what the- Your friend is feeling off. They need someone to help them center themselves and regain focus. That probably. Almost done. It's a game night. You might be playing board games, party games, or D&D. Why do your friends want you on their team? One, I know the rules and I'll make sure they're followed. That's not Wrong. it. Wrong. I make sure everyone is acknowledged and gets an opportunity to play. That's probably what I would want to make sure everybody's included and feels Mm -hmm. really good. You and your friends are traveling to another country. What are you most likely to do? One, I'm going to spend a lot of time reading up on hotels, transportation, and attractions before we go. Oh, before we go, I guess. I'm going to find the best unnatural attractions and any interesting animals I haven't seen before. That's the one. Or, or, or. I will check local customs and find places with positive energy that we can yeah. visit. I bring the positive energy, baby. I'm going to find unique items only available there so I can bring them back. No, I don't. I mean, I'll do that and that'll happen naturally, but that's not going to be the focus. So what was the one where I'm going to find like really cool off the road adventures and animals? I'm going to find the best natural attractions and yes. any interesting animals I haven't seen before. Yes. All right. You and your friends are going to help restore a local park. Sounds like an adventure that you should do in your life. Probably. What do you do? One, I'll do the heavy lifting, literally. 
I'll make sure we have the safety gear we need and a first aid kit just in case. Three, I'll properly move any wildlife that has moved into the playground. Four, I'll make sure there are walking trails and nature decor features. I'll be the first one there making sure our plans are organized, assigned, and carried out. And lastly, I'll be the one to research the local regulations, gather instructions, and find out what we need to do to do the job. Okay, so I have restored a piece of property where a blighted house got demolished and there was just like this land on this corner in the middle of the inner city where I grew up and I helped rototill it and make it a garden so I would say heavy lifting. Have you ever wondered what D&D character you would be like? Here's the build up. No, I haven't. But Guess what? What? You now give off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your, your yeah. character creator the answer. Oh. says you yes. are a monk. Why? You give off monk vibes. Oh, okay. But a, a monk who goes surfing? Because our quiz was which D&D character class am I? Oh, okay. I'm a monk, so. Could you give us a description of what yes. monks are capable of? You might be a yoga teacher or perhaps a life coach, or maybe you're in between things, and that's perfect too. You're all about finding where you fit in the order of the universe. You're strong in spirit, discipline, and peace. Some of your friends might think your beliefs are a burden, when really, they're all about enriching life. When your friends are ready to make meaningful change in their lives, you'll be there. Call 1-800-PSYCHIC. That it says it in there? No. That in there? Oh. Have you ever <laughs> So basically here's a list of thirteen official fifth edition classes. Which class are you? Rogue, druid, paladin, warlock, cleric, sorcerer, barbarian, bard, fighter, monk, which you yeah. were, ranger, wizard, or artificer. Um, where can people take that fun quiz? I will add the mygeekology.com quiz to the episode so everybody can find out which D&D character they are. Tell me if you guys are a monk like me. We can be friends. Indeed. (laughs) All right. So that's been your episode. Simon, you were awesome, man. Thanks for sitting through the quiz with your mom (laughs) there. I appreciate you taking the time. Um... Yeah, it was great to be on a podcast with you, Simon. You I just look, Can I just say one thing? Of course, go okay. for it. I'm very proud of the man that you've become. I appreciate that. <clears throat> Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Sorry, that wasn't me tearing up. That was me. <gasps> just oh. let him think it was. <laughs> let him think. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, you're, you're, you're great and amazing and smart and handsome and you're going to do a lot of great things in your life and it's just starting man 21 is a great age i remember i had i was an aimless arrow i was in the navy and i had no idea but now even as i get older i still find new adventures all the time so and podcasts was a great one yeah for you to stumble on it Definitely is something that I love to do. So, yeah. Thanks well, for having ho- me on. Hopefully, you'll we'll come on and talk some nerd stuff again sometime. Yeah, for sure. We got to get into like some video game stuff. Maybe next time we'll talk about some sort of video game and or maybe we'll do a JoJo episode. I'll be in the that kitchen cool. cooking. <laughs> Bye. Well, we love you. We'll see you next week. Have a great one, guys. 
This has been a presentation of Beer City Media.